most people, most doctors, they use the term immune system, but they can't define it to you because they don't really understand what it is. And here we are with cancer treatment. At the one time in your life that you need it the most, your immune system, we are destroying the immune system with chemotherapy and radiation. Greetings and love, beautiful humans. It's Ben Hardy, co-host of the Terrain Theory Podcast. So glad to have you here. This week, my co-host Mike Miranda and I brought Dr. Timothy O'Shea onto the show. Dr. Tim is a doctor of chiropractic, the founder of The Doctor Within, and author of the book, Vaccination is Not Immunization. In the first part of the episode, he gives a wonderful presentation on the history of the bioterrain model, going all the way back to Pasteur and Bechamp and working up to present day, hitting some of the key figures and findings along the way. We then go deep into one of Dr. Tim's specialties, which is the health and cleanliness of the blood and why so many illnesses can be traced back to imbalances or impurities in the blood. He also talks about how to clear the blood, clear the tract, and optimize your diet to achieve balance and eliminate disease, all without taking unnecessary drugs or medications. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Terrain Theory. All right, we are live. Dr. Tim O'Shea, welcome to the Terrain Theory Podcast. Thank you very much, Benjamin Hardy. Pleasure <laughs> to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you on. We have a lot to cover today. You've got a little presentation that you're going to dive into around bioterrain, detoxing, and so on. But before we do that, let's just get a quick, um, some context, who you are, what you do. Uh, I am the creator of the Doctor Within website, and I'm also the author of Vaccination is Not Immunization. And my website has to do with chiropractic. It has to do with holistic health and a complete section on detoxification and natural health. Wonderful. Well, let's dive in a little bit. One of the one of the uh, pieces on your website that really caught my eye was, I, I guess you could call it a specialty, but detoxification of the blood. It's not something that we've talked about often uh, or at all, I'd say, on this podcast. So I'm really looking forward to diving in a little bit here to um, bioterrain detox, allergies, heart disease, vaccine injury, and you've got a whole a whole presentation lined up for us. So the floor is yours, Dr. T. Excellent. Let's jump into it. Well, today's discussion is titled Bioterrain Detox, Allergies, Heart Disease, and Vaccine Injuries. First of all, I think it's important to define our terms. What do we mean by bioterrain? Because a lot of people don't know what that term means. Bioterrain is is a phrase that was coined by Antoine Bichamp in the mid-1800s. And bioterrain refers to the internal milieu or the bloodstream of a person. Your bioterrain is the number one determinant of your health. And just as Mike mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's very similar to environmental terrain, how the environment influences us as a species, well, the bioterrain is where the environment influences the individual body of each person. So bioterrain refers to the bloodstream. Now, Antoine Bichamp was a contemporary of Louis Pasteur, 
who, as you know, was the inventor of the germ theory of disease. And Pasteur was a chemist. He had no credentials in physiology. He was not an MD, whereas Antoine Bichamp had three separate PhDs. He was an MD. He held three chairs at the prestigious university in Lille, that's in France, right? And so one of the major differences that we're going to see between bioterrain theory and the germ theory is that bioterrain theory is really science-based medicine, whereas the germ theory is something that was created primarily with an economically motivated background. The germ theory has always been and will always be 100% market-driven. The germ theory was developed, let's say, by Louis Pasteur. And the short version of the germ theory is this. Okay, we have the cosmos, and we have any number of germs that are floating around in the cosmos at any given time. And then by accident, one of these germs wafts its way down into your body and implants himself into your body and causes a disease. And so then it's the job of organized medicine to figure out what drug or potion we're going to give you to kill the bug in you without killing you. That's the short version of the germ theory. Now, as strange as that seems, the entire pharmaceutical industry was set up around 1900 and it was developed by J.D. Rockefeller, Baron of the World, who suddenly got the idea, well, you know, he was the oil baron, he controlled the petroleum industry, and he discovered that, well, we can make medicines, we can make drugs that are derivatives of petroleum. What if we can sell these as cures for all diseases? So, of course, then there's the whole story of Abraham Flexner, this guy that he sent to all the medical schools in the United States in order to standardize their curriculum so that they're all teaching the same doctrine that germs are the cause of all disease and that Rockefeller's new pharmaceutical drugs are the only cure. And as we all know, the Flexner report was successful beyond anybody's wildest expectations. That was the beginning of the pharmaceutical industry which predominates today to an extent that Rockefeller could never have envisioned. And meanwhile, legitimate scientists who elaborated a theory like the bioterrain theory, these doctors, these real scientists, they were marginalized. They were put aside. They were censored from mainstream media so that today it is only the educated, the very well-informed who have any idea who Antoine Béchamp and his successors ever were. So bioterrain theory is definitely, it's an alternative to the germ theory of disease. The primary difference being that bioterrain theory is actually science-based. It's based on a lifetime of experimental and clinical science by hundreds of scientists with the best credentials during the past 150 years. Now, here are just a few of those scientists that I that I become aware of, and some of them were my mentors. 
in the past few years. So as I said, the bioterrain theory was held by all the best scientists of the past century. And these were doctors who were not controlled by the global medical monolith. So from the left here, from the left, it's Antoine Deschamps, Royal Rife, Alexis Carroll. Here is Hans Selye, Gunter Enderlein. Uh, this is my mentor, Dr. Stan Bynum. This is Patrick Flanagan. And finally, up here on the right side is Richard Anderson, the foremost expert on colon detox. So on my website, I go into each one of these experts in particular, to some extent with a chapter on each one. So you can look at that at the doctor within. Now, each one of these scientists here, Ben, these world-class scientists, deserves his own podcast that we, maybe we can do that sometime. And maybe that would help to explain why most medical doctors today know so little about human health and have so little interest in getting sick people well. So don't even get me started. Now, we have to remember something here, Ben. Even though the bioterrain theory has been marginalized and censored, it has never been disproven by any kind of research. Never been disproven. And it's ironic that on his deathbed, Louis Pasteur, the guy who invented the germ theory, his last words were, the germ is nothing, the terrain is everything. He changed his mind on his deathbed and admitted that Bechamp and Claude Bernard were right. And actually, Dr. T, I'll interject really quick. In honor of that, I wore our shirt. We, oh. uh, we created one of the uh, a shirt for just that saying right here. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> you guys are definitely dangerous, Ben. I think there's an indictment right around the corner waiting for you. Bishop also used the term the internal milieu as a synonym to bioterrain. And that just means the internal medium of our bodies. In other words, the bloodstream. And the idea of bioterrain theory is that the condition of your blood at any given time determines your health or your disease state. Just briefly, I want to mention some of the details of Bichamp's original theory of bioterrain. He talks about microzymas, which he describes as imperishable submicroscopic particles, which exist in all living dead and non-living matter. They are the foundation of all life and life processes. They are the builders and destroyers of cells and are responsible for all growth and decomposition of plants and animals. And he said they were the only non-transitory biological element. Now by that, Bichamp meant that these microzymas, they persist in the bodies of plants and animals, and they persist even after death, and they're responsible for decomposition, and then they return to the soil, and then newborn plants and animals have a full complement of microzymas as well. So that's the bioterrain theory. And microzymas populate the internal milieu and they determine the health or disease condition 
of that body. Okay. Now, as you know, Ben, Bishamp had many successors down through the decades since the, the mid-1800s. And two of the most notable of them were certainly Gunter Enderlein and Gaston Nessan. These doctors, they really devoted their entire life to the pursuit of this science. They gradually got better and better microscopes that documented further evidence of microzymas and the whole theory of bioterrain. And Enderlein developed the dark field microscope. They both enhanced and developed the original notion of Bichamp, the pleomorphic cycle. That word means many shapes. And actually, it was Gaston Nessans. He actually changed the name. He called it the somatid cycle. And I'm not going to go into this in any detail, but just to mention it, the idea here was in the healthy person, you have a perfusion of microzymas throughout the bloodstream. And then when you begin to create your own disease condition by drugs, by alcohol, by eating predominantly processed foods, which 80% of the American population does that, right? Then that causes these microzymas, they begin to mutate and to start along this pathway, this cycle in which they change to alternative forms. Some of these alternative forms include bacteria, viruses, fungi, and yeast. And, but the thing is, they wouldn't have mutated if the person's internal milieu had remained healthy. That's the main point here. So only if the internal milieu becomes unbalanced, that causes the microzymas to begin to mutate and travel along this somatid cycle. I believe it was Nessang who came up with the term somatid cycle whereas Bichamp had always referred to it as the pleomorphic cycle, but they're both talking about the exact same thing. I wanted to interject here some personal experience with the somatid cycle. I've really done a lot of bioterrain analysis over the years. Uh, I've never really met anyone who has done more legitimate live cell tests than myself, with the exception of my mentor, Dr. Bynum. Now, if you'll look at this chart of the cycle, you'll see that the very last step of the cycle before it returns to the microzymous stage is something called the fibrous phallus. I have seen these objects many times in the blood of some very sick people. They have the appearance of huge filaments, often tangled, that may be a hundred times larger than a normal red cell. Medical microscopy would identify them as artifacts or a contaminated slide, but they're not. They are very specific shapes which look exactly as described by the true experts in bioterrain. Now the fibrous thallus itself was not necessarily an indicator of any specific disease, but just as often it was more like debris left over on a battlefield after a conflict has been won. In other words, very often a return to health. Now, most of the time that the pleomorphic cycle 
or Besham's bioterrain theory is even mentioned by today's mainstream literature or scientific journals, it is met with ridicule and condescension. It's cultist, hysterical, unscientific, that's what they say. Ironically, the polar opposite is true. The bioterrain theory has been documented and proven at a level of scientific validity far beyond the standard for today's market-driven pharmaceuticals and vaccines. And the level of education and erudition of men like Bichamp, Nissan, and the others mentioned above dwarfs the narrow scope of rote memorization required for today's MDs. Just take a look at any of the books by Bichamp, Nissan's, or Cellier, for example, to get a glimpse of the sophistication and elegance that has been lost over the decades from the field of scientific research. Nobody can write at that level anymore simply because the area of pure science has been all but abandoned today. And that's why the bioterrain theory has never been disproven by modern science. It takes years just to begin to study it. All medical research today is funded by the drug companies who are completely enslaved by their own market demands. So that's the short version of that. For more of that, you can look at the chapters at The Doctor Within. The conclusion of all this is that virtually all of these legitimate scientists throughout the decades who were really the successors of Bichamp, they all realized one thing that bacteria are not the cause of disease. Bacteria are the result of disease. And as I said, they change form with the condition of the internal milieu. So this runs completely counter to the germ theory of disease, which is pretending that the innocent person is sub subject to attack by these pathological germs from the outside environment through no fault of his own. So here's the way I think of it, Ben, that bacteria are not the cause of disease. They are scavengers, not predators. Scavengers, not predators. Bacteria are just a cleanup crew for the noxious environment we have created in our bloodstream by our injudicious lifestyle. So the bacteria only become present when we flood our body with indigestible toxic debris, which provides a hospitable medium for bacteria to proliferate on in their efforts to try to clean the blood. And then as we overload our blood beyond the capacity of the bacteria to deal with, they proliferate more and more and more, and that creates a pathological situation, a disease. So now Royal Rife was one of the most notable of these successors of Bichamp, and here's what he said, quote, it is not the bacteria themselves that produce the disease, but the unbalanced cell metabolism of the human body. If the metabolism is perfectly balanced, it is susceptible to no disease. So that's a basic principle of Bichamp's internal milieu. A quote from Bichamp himself was this, 
microzymas proper to one species cannot be introduced into another species without serious danger, unquote. So you were talking about vaccines, Ben, a little while ago. We have to remember that Bishop was a contemporary of Edward Jenner, the creator of vaccines. And that, that happened all during the 1800s. And we have to remember also, there was only one vaccine all during the 1800s, and that was smallpox, right? But Bechamp, as well as all the other legitimate scientists of the 1800s, were all horrified by the governments of Europe who were taking Jenner's experimental toxic vaccine, which became mandatory in virtually all the countries in Europe at that time. Here's what Bechamp said. The most serious, even fatal disorders may be provoked by the injection of living organisms into the blood, into a medium not intended for them, and may provoke redoubtable manifestations of the gravest morbid phenomenon. So these ideas are discussed more at length in my book, Vaccination is Not Immunization. But I think it's interesting to remember that most civilizations had taboos against mixing the blood of animals with the blood of man. I mean, that's even mentioned in the Bible. This idea was especially horrific during the, the events of the last two years since the advent of the COVID vaccine. And there's a series of 12 videos entitled The COVID Pageant available on my website. You just briefly here, Ben, I'm almost done here, but I want to talk briefly about the modern application of bioterrain analysis how it affected my life. And I was lucky enough to meet Dr. Stan Bynum in the mid 90s. Now Bynum was the president of National Enzyme Company. And then later on, he formed his own enzyme company in Phoenix, Arizona called Infinity. And Bynum was an expert in live cell analysis. And the whole philosophy of his company, Infinity, was to clear the tract and clear the blood. So he's right on the same page with the internal milieu of Antoine Deschamps, right? But Bynum added something extra. This was really an advance. Now, I don't know if you've ever had bioterrain analysis done or live cell testing done, but normally they would take a drop of blood from the finger of the patient, put it on a slide and look at it in the microscope and make determinations and identifications of imbalances. But what Bynum came up with, since he was the world's expert on digestive enzymes, he taught us to take that first sample and to record it. We recorded the first sample. Then he gave them three enzyme capsules and a glass of water, and we waited 30 minutes, and then we retested. So he developed this idea of the before and after test. And what happened was the vast majority of the time, you would see a very obvious radical improvement between the before and after in just 30 minutes. And that was due to the activity of the digestive enzymes in the blood. So 
the most common imbalance in the blood that we see due to bad lifestyle, you know, due to hydrogenated foods and processed foods is what's called rouleau formation. And that's when the separate round red blood cells, they clump together, they stick together very often in kind of like a stack of poker chips. And that's called rouleau formation. And the problem is that the red blood cells, that's the only way that the cells of your body, which require oxygen, right? All the cells of your body, that's the only way the cells can get oxygen. We breathe in oxygen, it complexes into the blood, it complexes to the red blood cells, and then is carried to every organ and tissue of the body, right? The oxygen is. But the problem is, when if you live your life, most of your life, with your blood cells in low formation like this, that geometrically decreases the total surface area that is available to bind oxygen. So when you can provide digestive enzymes, and in, in the detox program that we have, you're taking three capsules three times a day in order to keep the red cells separate. Well, then you have 60 days in which you have logarithmically increased oxygen perfusion to every cell of the body. And this most of the time has very dramatic effects. It all comes back to the, the idea, Bynum's idea, clear the tract and clear the blood as a result of the information that I was lucky enough to derive from my mentors I have developed this 60-day program, which is a very simple program consisting of a clean diet and seven supplements. I was lucky enough to have all, all these gentlemen as my teachers. This is the last slide here. This is the end. So we have assembled this 60-day program as a result of all the information that I was lucky enough to derive from these experts, from these world experts at that time. And this information is summarized in the chapters at the Doctor Within, as well as in the videos, some of which you've seen, Ben, as well as in my newsletter archive. So I'm, I'm sure you have some questions and comments at this time, right, Ben? Absolutely. Um, Mike, do you have any? I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I, I had one as you were going through, and thank you, Doctor, for that really wonderful, clear, not only history, but presentation, very informative and very accessible. So thank you for that, because we've touched on a lot of these ideas in past episodes, but that was so concise and clear. So thank you for that. Um, I think you answered the question just as it was formed in my head, but the idea of the microzyma, I think previously I thought they were synonymous with the microbiome, bacteria, et cetera, but it's almost as if they're a precursor or a precondition. Am I correct about that? That's very well said. That's exactly right, Mike. Okay, good. So thank you for answering that. Ben, how about you? We talk on this on this podcast, one of the things that we try to do is get to the root cause or one of the things that we wish more health practitioners, medical practitioners would do is to get to the root cause. And allopathic medicine, as we know, treats symptoms um, with pharmaceuticals that just cause more side effects that then also get treated. And if we are to get to the bottom of what makes us ill, it's asking that question, what is the root cause? And it sounds that the rouleau that develops in unclean blood, you would point to as the root cause. My question is, if in your seven day or sorry, 60 day 
um, blood clearing or blood uh, 60 day program. What are some of the, let's say symptoms or illnesses that you've seen treated successfully using this process? Okay. That's, that's a really good question. That question is answered most thoroughly in the chapter on the website. It's called feedback and testimonials. And it's literally hundreds of stories of people with minor problems and people with life threatening problems who went through the 60 day program and it tells what happened to them. But just in general, to answer that question, I usually find that in the first two weeks of the program, when people stop eating the standard American trashy diet of chips, fries, and donuts, and they start eating fruits and vegetables and drinking natural fruit juices, they begin to have a lot more energy. And as the colon begins to clear and the, the, all the sludge finally is released from their body, a lot of people will think that it's too difficult. It requires too much difficulty. I can never for 60 days give up my coffee, give up my two bags of Doritos as I watch the evening TV. But after a couple of weeks, it's, it's amazing how people feel so much better that it's not really that difficult to go on this detox for an entire 60 days. Got it. And, and, and I just wanted to follow up real quickly. If, if you could, you, you mentioned um, less severe symptoms perhaps, and all the way up to life-threatening. Uh, do any specifics come to mind, like any of those life-threatening conditions that you've seen uh, healed? Yes, definitely, Ben. And the most dramatic of these would certainly be the resolution and improvement of the cases of high blood pressure, heart disease, chronic allergies, and cancer patients. So you'll have to look at the testimonial section for a description of a lot of these cases. But just briefly here, I'd like to just say something about the effect that the 60-day program can have on cancer patients. Well, I have a whole chapter, it's called To the Cancer Patient. And I really did a thorough study of chemotherapy, radiation, and traditional cancer treatment. And this is, it's completely referenced. Believe me, this wasn't my idea. I was horrified to learn what I learned. But then what I discovered was, okay, cancer is the number two cause of death in the United States, right? But the majority of people do not die from cancer. They die from cancer treatment. Hmm. That's a conclusion of so much research that I did and it's completely documented. It's a matter of the immune system and understanding the, the immune system. Most people, most doctors, they use the term immune system, but they can't define it to you because they don't really understand what it is. And here we are with cancer treatment at the one time in your life that you need it the most, your immune system, we are destroying the immune system with chemotherapy and radiation. Now, they don't even challenge that. They admit that, but it's just, it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this emperor's new clothes situation. It's kind of like the thoughts that we are not allowed to think like so many people that I know, so many patients that I've had over the years, you know, they'll be diagnosed with cancer and or maybe it's too late. They're in stage three or stage four. And the oncologist will tell them, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones, but 
you only have six weeks to live and uh, the only thing that we have for you is chemotherapy. And Mr. Jones says, well, doc, is there any chance that it can make me better? And the, and the oncologist says, no, I'm sorry. There's no chance that it's going to make you better. In fact, you're still going to die in six weeks. And by the way, the last six weeks of your life, you're going to be in the most agonizing pain, and then you're finally going to die. And what do 90% of people, Mike, what do you think they do? I'm guessing that they probably say, go ahead and do it. Yes, of course. Yes. Because it's because it's the superstition. It's the prevailing propaganda that they've had all their life. Yeah. That my health, I am not responsible for my health. Organized medicine is responsible for my health. I like, I, I listened to one of your interviews yesterday preparing for this, and I love your, how you've embraced um, the mystery of this thing we call the immune system. I even, I believe you used the term, the mythology of it. That's like, there's just so much unknown. And several of our guests have sort of come to that conclusion. And some people don't even like to use the word immune system. They say that we don't have a quote unquote immune system, that it's something that we can't quite define. And it probably has to do with the microzyma and, and obviously the overall non-toxicity of our, of our system, correct? Yeah, but this is exactly what you were initially alluding to, Mike, at the ver very beginning, the relation between the internal milieu and the environmental influence. So it's a question of evolution, really. I look at it as evolution. We only survived as, as a species because over 200,000 years, we developed all these defense mechanisms to protect us from foreign invaders from the environment. We are the most evolved species. We have developed this phenomenal, glorious immune system, and now we have this systematic pharmacology monolith who doesn't understand that, and they discovered that their survival is based on economics and pills and procedures that ultimately are going to destroy this gift that we have developed as, as a human species of the immune system. Yeah, that's well said. I had one more question about blood. Uh, and I really like, it really hit home what you said about we don't mix the blood of animals and the blood of humans. And I think that would probably, you could extrapolate that to like, just the biology of animals, especially when it comes to like an injection. I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, eating meat. And it really got me thinking about all the various, you know, the methods of virology, the weird uh, fetal tissues and cell lines and monkey this. And, yeah. um, and, and when we were now questioning what even is a virus and it's just a, the byproduct of, of cell death, um, what we're doing is injecting the biology of non-humans into a human and so that's <laughs> that's one thing that's becoming crystal clear is how ridiculous and repugnant that very concept is but uh, i guess my question is how does something like a blood transfusion or you know what seems like this innocuous thing where you go and you give blood the red cross and the blood banks how does that play uh in terms uh, it's been told to us that this is and a, a magnanimous gesture that this is this is good for mankind for your fellow man. How does mixing the blood of humans work into this? Well, it's it's becoming more and more of a, a Russian roulette situation. It's like being in Vegas. It's <laughs> you know it, it's more and more dangerous as time goes by. I mean, 
look look at my at my textbook. I have this chart on how many vaccines are given to American children. When I was a kid, it was three or four. By the 1980s, it was 20, 20 inoculations given to American school children by the time they're 18. By the 90s, it was up to 40. And then I go all from the 90s to the present time. Today, American school children, the mandated immunization schedule is 84 inoculations, which is more than double of most other countries on earth. So it's the persistent effects you know, throughout the kid's life in the bioterrain, right? The manufacturers of vaccines, they all admit that they alter our genetics. So, that, so that's one thing, in addition to all the toxic residues from vaccines. So you're absolutely right about that. It's really a gamble to get a blood transfusion today, even if it's going to save your life. And that doesn't even take into consideration the possibility of other contaminants including STDs, parasites, the effects of alcohol, tobacco, pharmaceutical drugs, recreational drugs, as well as all the hydrogenated oils and toxic food of the diet of the blood donor. And that's because there's no way of knowing, I mean, I guess you can test, but you know, shooting from the hip, there's no way of knowing what toxins are in that blood. Because we just think, well, that gave blood. That was the right thing to do. Blood is blood. But obviously, there's nuance here. Yeah. And most people aren't going through these detox protocols because you need to be sort of uh, a fringe enthusiast <laughs> like us to, to, even, to even consider this information. More and more people are becoming disenchanted with the five-minute office visit you know, from the nurse practitioner that's covered by their insurance program, and they get their walk out with their prescription more and more people are seeing that that's not the whole answer to their health. Yeah. Uh, do you hold the position, I imagine you do, uh, that that the human body is capable of, of healing from basically anything? Yes, of course. That happens all the time. Then the, the medical doctors will say, it's spontaneous recovery. <laughs> or, you know, you know what they really say? when somebody recovers from a, quote, terminal illness that they were supposed to be dead in six weeks, um, either they'll say, we misdiagnosed it, he never had that in the first place, or else the documentation for the original diagnosis will disappear completely. That's yeah. another technique. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have one more question since we did bring up cancer, something I've been wondering in this sort of misnomer about, quote, unquote, cancer treatment. Uh, Obviously, if you bring this question up to someone who, say, has gone through cancer treatment or maybe a relative or a child, and that person seems to have gotten through it and have healed, having gone through the allopathic process, how do you explain that, that it seems to, quote, have worked? Is that it's not that the medicine is what cured them. It's that that person was able to heal despite these toxins exactly. being added to that, them. That is the word. Despite the, the experimental drug. But right. then they are told by their medical doctor that that was the reason that that's what cured you. Yeah. yeah. So, so you would agree with that, that the, the actual procedure not only had little to do with that, probably had zero to do with your health, and it's the agency of the person. I, I always use the example of we have to remember and we have to give credit where credit's due. The medical profession really did pull the rabbit out of the hat one time. And when was that, Mike? Oh, geez. Ben, I, I, when was that, Ben? Um, you got me. 
That was in the 40s with Alexander Fleming. And what did he invent? What did he discover? Penicillin. Penicillin. So that, you know, and before penicillin, everybody who was in war or everybody who got a bacterial infection, a lot of them really died. And suddenly we have this miracle drug. That drug really did save lives. But, you know, ever since then, you know, now we have all these derivatives of the original penicillin that they give to people like their M&Ms and now antibiotic resistance is one of our biggest problems. But the thing is, they have been pretending uh, using that same uh, mythology that all the other drugs that have come since 1940, right, are curative and they are the they are your only hope and of curing your disease. And that's just not true. Now, here's a statistic that illustrates very clearly what we're talking about here. The United States has 4% of the world's population, and yet we consume 40% of the world's pharmaceuticals, and we have the worst health of any industrialized nation on earth. Just for, for my sake and for the listeners, can you remind us uh, how penicillin is derived and, and how it acts? Sure, Mike. During World War I, Fleming was a bacteriologist working with the wounded soldiers in France. He watched thousands die from incurable bacterial infections. He learned that strong antiseptics usually made the condition worse and that the wounds healed better when simply kept clean with a saline solution. And so after the war, he continued to search for something that could actually stop the spread of a bacterial infection. The real discovery of penicillin was a complete accident. Fleming was working with a culture of Staph aureus bacteria one day that had become contaminated with a fungus. He found that this had happened when the bacteria had become inhibited by a mold which further experiment proved to be the first antibiotic, which means a drug that can kill live bacteria. If you're really interested in all the details of the whole story, I have a chapter on my website entitled The Post-Antibiotic Age. So please look at that. I have a question going back to uh, Royal Rife and the the unbalanced cell metabolism being the, the cause of the disease. So what then is the relationship between unbalanced cell metabolism and, and blood health? There, there are two videos to answer that question in detail. The title of that video is Why the Colon is the Center of the Immune System. And there we go into a detailed discussion of leaky gut syndrome. Mm. And we talk about how years of eating processed foods it destroys the inner lining of the colon. Now, a, a healthy colon is designed to just absorb water and minerals and all the solid waste leaves the body. But because of the toxic sludge, chips, fries, and donuts that everybody eats, layers upon layers of sludge become deposited along the lining of the colon wall year after year, right? And this causes a defect in the pores in the colon wall that never close, and this allows the introduction of undigested, unmetabolizable foods 
hydrogenated oils and other poisons and toxic ingredients that you can read on the labels of all the processed foods that we eat. Well, now they have access to our internal milieu, to our bioterrain, and now they are free to take up residence in virtually any organ, tissue, or cell of the body and begin to cause the inflammatory process because they are foreign. And this is the exact mechanism of what we call the autoimmune disease because now we have the body attacking its own cells. And this is why, because these cells now contain all this foreign debris that was introduced through leaky gut syndrome. That makes so much sense. And it's sort of an aha moment. Uh, we're, we're banding about the idea of what the immune system is, and you just sort of hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a um, malfunction of your detox pathways. But the most obvious one is your colon. We've got all these detox pathways, but yeah. we're fools to ignore the most obvious one. Yeah, but that's, what, that's why detox is so dramatically effective in such a broad range of disease conditions because for the first time we're stopping the introduction of further toxic foods number one yeah. and with with the supplements we're, we are actually clearing out the residual sludge that's been there for years in many people's colon and we're clearing out the residual debris throughout the bloodstream and with that supplement and again i watched your video yesterday so i got a little insight into that is that some of the other uh tellings of a detox protocol, uh, be it via turpentine or, or whatnot, sounds like more of a, shall I say, aggressive <laughs> procedure where you, you, know, you, you wouldn't be, want to be too far away from your bathroom and it would come along with a fast and you're, it's like a real commitment. But is this something you could incorporate into, let's just call it day-to-day -day life? Could you still be going to work, go to school, and you're taking the supplements? And yeah. Well, first of all, Anybody who, who uh, takes in turpentine, that they, they just have no understanding of human physiology whatsoever. But you, you have to remember that this program was put together through two of the top experts in colon detox who have ever lived, and that's Richard Anderson and that's Stan Bynum. And so talking about colon detox, first of all, you have to have a basic understanding of the physiology of the colon, how it really works. And most most people who would describe something as idiotic as turpentine they, or even medical doctors who will prescribe the standard Imodium and other drugs like this who destroy what what is critical to colon motility is the presence of abundant probiotics so most most medical doctors don't even know what that means so you have to understand the basic physiology and this is explained in detail in a chapter, in my chapter, it's called Journey to the Center of Your Colon. <laughs> I love it. I've heard, uh, just to uh, play devil's advocate a little bit, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I And again, Ben and I, you know, we don't have any medical background. I mean, having done this podcast for a year, we're pretty well versed in a lot of these terrain concepts. Oh. But but this, I, I've heard said when it comes to probiotics, that it's not necessarily as simple as just popping probiotics, that you want to like increase your the 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 biome of your of your ter in, internal guts via foods be it uh, kombucha sauerkrauts fermented foods and that you put this stuff in and it just goes right through you and i've heard that said about probiotics 
Uh, so are they not all created equal? Like, how would you, is that true in some sense? Or what's your take on that? Well, uh, foods that promote probiotic activity, like sauerkraut and like kombucha, of course, those, those are healthy foods and those are recommended as part of the diet of the 60-day program. But there is no, there is no replacement. The majority of Americans have no probiotics. And then in my lecture, I go through a whole list of all the reasons why most Americans have no probiotics, alcohol, uh, drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, um, over-the-counter medications, allergy medicine, carbonated drinks, uh, coffee. We have a whole list of them. So as a consequence, most Americans, they have little or no probiotics most of the time. So now in the 60-day program, we are flooding the colon with best probiotics, minimum of three caps three times a day, every single day for 60 days. What was most surprising to me when I first started recommending the 60-day program and patients started doing it was the number of people who had chronic allergies and they'd had, they'd had allergies for 10 years and they've been taking antibiotics for 10 years. I mean, like, if antibiotics don't work within the first few weeks, <laughs> give up because from then on, what, what do antibiotics do? They destroy bacteria. So they're destroying what little gut flora you do have. So yeah. when, you're, when you're for the first time, maybe in 10 years, you're flooding the colon with probiotics, especially in children. It, it's such a dramatic difference in such a short time. Yeah, and I, I think I answered my own question again. I thank you for your clarity and, and uh, intelligence on all these matters. It's really enlightening. The idea that you, I think what I was getting trapped in is this idea that people think they can pop a pill and fix their problems. Well, I take probiotics so I can continue to eat my two bags of Doritos, blah, blah, blah. But the concept is get your diet right, Supp truly supplement, like the, the word is called a supplement. You have to supplement an already improving or improved diet. It's, there's no magic bullet here. Yes. And the other thing I learned from Shahani, who spent his entire life, I mean, he, he, he would do things like he would go into GNC and he would buy all the probiotics, uh, a sample of each one, and then he would take them into his laboratory and he would test them all. And you know how, I don't know if you know about probiotics, but it usually says, of each strain, it will say so many billion counts. Right. Correct. Right. So he would actually test this, and he discovered that almost all of them had less than five percent of what they were claiming. <laughs> so the difference between his formula that took him a lifetime to create and the standard GNC uh, probiotics—it's night and day. So they're actually just lying on the labels. No surprise there. Well, you know, it's part of the magic bullet industry. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like, I mean, that's, that is good to know that just, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise to us at this point, but just because the label says X, right. you know, right. thank God we have people, scientists like that, that take it into the lab. You know, people are trying to get to the bottom of what we're actually being sold well, in, the, to... in the name of healing. Right. 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 But remember that the supplement industry is not really tightly regulated by the <laughs> FDA, it's, it's, the phrase is generally regarded as safe. So unless you actually include in your ingredient list things that are obviously toxic, unless people start dying from your supplement, the FDA is going to 
they don't really test each supplement that you see on GNC. Yeah, but I guess I just naively assumed that if it said 4 billion blah, 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 that there's, you know, there's probably 4 billion blah, blah, blah in there, but you said less than 5%. <laughs> so it's good to know that you have, you know, you've devoted your life to learning these things and finding the actual, that's what I was saying, I guess, earlier, but they're not all created equal. Well, they're not actually, some of them aren't even created as, as right. we've been told. Right, that's true. Dr. T, I have a question about um, going back to blood, Rouleau. I'm wondering where where blood pH, acidity, alkalinity plays into okay. this, if at all. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a really good question. Um, when you start reading the books of Antoine Béchamp and the books about Antoine Béchamp, he was all over this alkalinity and realizing that excess alcohol, toxic foods, a bad environment even, but all of these tend toward lowering the pH of the blood, and that's to a more pathological condition. The, the normal pH of human blood should be 7.3 to 7.45, a narrow range. And so taking in, in the 60-day program in the diet, of course, soft drinks are not allowed, you know, trashy junk foods. The end result is that in desperation, the digestive system is always trying to neutralize this acidic pH from processed food, but that uses up the metabolic stores of these systems. And the result of all that is that it's acidifying and lowering the pH of the bloodstream year after year. The consequence of this acidification is that the thousands of metabolic processes that must take place at every moment of your life, at the cellular level, they are all inhibited by excessive acidity in the blood. Got it. So, so the the net effect of, of doing something like the sixty day program, cleaning up your uh, cleaning up your diet, uh, addressing leaky gut, is to get back to an alkaline state. Exactly right. Is it detrimental to be too alkaline? It's there's the idea is to have a balance. Am I correct? There's this Kangen machine. You know what that is? I have heard of it. Well, it's, it's that water machine. It's like an MLM, you know, and it's like, so you hook it up to your sink, right? And so you're getting, you could have toxic metals in your city water supply, which it doesn't remove. But what it does, it does raise the pH. And I think you have a choice between like a seven, nine and 11. And they, they do say, they do tell you that you shouldn't be drinking the 11 pH water. It's for plants. They tell you that. And so most people, to be healthy, they will stay around nine. So to answer your question, yeah, it's possible to be too alkaline. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Homeostasis, right? We, we, are, we are always striving for balance. Right. Uh, Dr. T, appreciate the, the time that you've given us in the, in the presentation. Um, going to wrap with a couple questions we always ask all our guests, one of which being, what are your your non-negotiables, the daily habits that you do to tend to your terrain? Okay, uh, here's my breakfast, okay? A banana, orange juice, I use coconut water in a blender. That's it. I take my supplements. I'll take the enzymes, the flora, the minerals, something called phase two, which is for clearing the arteries, expel, which clears the colon, and then I take the hydrolyzed collagen 
I blend the hydrolyzed collagen. It's a powder. I blend that in the smoothie. And then in addition to that, I do 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, and I do Stairmaster every day. So those are my... You've inspired me. Yeah, I got to get back on the push-ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. then uh, Dr. T, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Mike, when you're your age, you can get away with it for a few years. Well, I, 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 I'm, I, I've, I've fooled a lot of people. I'm 47. What? <laughs> well, I should, I should be interviewing you. Let's ask him what his, uh, what unforgivables. What non-negotiables. Oh yeah, yeah. non-negotiables. I like that though, the unforgivables. We're going to get to that next, Mike. We'll do, when I interview you, Mike, it's going to be the unforgivable. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I, got this pic I got this idea that in his closet upstairs, there's this picture of him that's getting older and older. Is that true? Like the picture of Dorian Gray? Ever see that movie? <laughs> Dr. T, where can the listener learn more about you and follow well, your work? Of course, at the website, thedoctorwithin.com. And look at the the chapters first and then look at at the videos i ha i have like 12 videos on the covid the covid pageant i call it and then i also have a newsletter archive that goes back for 10 years for my monthly newsletters wonderful i'm gonna put the links in the show notes of the episode dr tim o'shea thank you so much for joining us on the train theory podcast my pleasure and keep up the good work you guys Room. The after party, the after party in the pioneer room. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the after party in the pioneer room. In the pioneer room on Zencaster. Yeah, Dr. The, the dulcet vibes of Zencaster. The dulcet vibes of Zencaster. Switching platforms. I prefer Zencaster. Yeah, but we've been on Zoom. We've been using Zoom for a couple episodes now, and hey, if it works, gets the job done. Yeah, yeah, gets the job done. And there's, the, there's that screen share option, which is which is useful. Yeah, useful when you are Peter and Pete, and you've got a, a million tabs open. We're not here <laughs> yeah. to talk about Peter and Pete, are we? No, and in fact, it's good to counter those those gentlemen with someone who you know believes in oxygen and things like that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, it's this felt like uh, coming back to our roots a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> I have bioterrain. We have we have wandered you and I. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I felt like that was sort of a landmark conversation because I really felt like I truly understood what he was laying down and and the questions that were coming to mind. I could contextualize and extrapolate upon, and I felt like he understood what I was saying, and and uh, so that felt good. It felt like a landmark episode in a few different ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was nice to nice to home in on uh, blood. It was nice to home in yes. on like the health of one's blood and the tract as being uh, what is necessary to maintain health. So foundational, and we don't really get into that so much. Not we haven't. Not so much. I think we sort of dance around it, but he's very specific about it. And you think about the human body and the mechanisms that, like, robust and proven, like, really defense mechanisms to keep foreign particulates out of the bloodstream. It's like it's sort of essential to 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 the human to the human system. 
And you look at these insults like vac- vaccines that just go, we're just going to bypass the largest organ in your body, the skin, which is there also to like prevent particulates from getting into the blood. We're just going to buy by bypass that and inject like the absolute worst thing straight into your blood. And then also this introduction, which is really more recent um, of processed foods and things like glyphosate and all the pesticides and all the chemicals that we ingest. We also, we inhale, we have exposure to, but we also ingest and in, in, by way of food that create leaky gut that then also allow these particulates, whether it's food or the same sort of crap into the bloodstream. Like it's all really the, the two different ways that our blood is just being toxified. Yeah. And it's not just the toxins that are causing the leaky gut. As he made so clear, it's just the shit food. Yeah. Just the garbage food. It just destroys your stomach. And I, I had a, a friend who had Crohn's disease, so he said, and, and that's like sort of a leaky gut situation. And he said the only thing he could eat was French fries. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> thinking like, it's just... Yeah, I'm glad I got clarity on that whole probiotic situation. And the way he lays out his presentation is just so clear and so much like obvious. This is obvious. Get the good stuff in, get the bad stuff out. But again, not just the toxins. Like it's that buildup of undigested food that your body just doesn't know what to do with. It just like it's stuck in there. I've heard about that for a while. And I always wonder like how real is that? Is that real? Is that true of all of us? Is that true of me? And it's just like, come on. Yeah. It's a no brainer. It's right in front of you. The common thread across like so many, let's, let's even call them. We've talked, I think we've talked about this, like fad diets, like keto, paleo, carnivore. And I would argue even, well, I don't, you don't see it really with like veganism and vegetarianism. Um, but those other ones, well, I think the magic, what I, the magic is in the elimination, the cleanse that I did however many years ago that was like, it was the, it's the elimination that is the magic. It's not so much what you continue to eat, but it's what you're not eating. And that's the, that, that is what is at the heart of his little 60 day program, but it's at the heart of carnivore. You're only allowed to eat meat and maybe like some fruit and, and eggs. uh, And that's it. So you're going, of course you're going to get healthier. Now, so you're not you're not eating the corn chips with the sunflower oils, and you're not eating the crackers and just like the, yeah. the snacky stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. a streamlining of your of your diet. Now, you know, as we are as we're trying to as we're pursuing, like that might not be the best path forward over the long term for right. a per, a given person or perhaps anyone. I I don't know. Like I'm I'm trying to sort of learning on the go here. But what I've I'm taking away from all these experiences around nutrition is really is more about what you're not putting in. So just cut these foods out and then the rest of it, you can kind of be a little bit agnostic. You can have some, like I'm growing, I'm growing vegetables. My garden is not growing meat. I'm not growing meat in my garden. All the vegetables that I grow and the herbs and stuff, I'm consuming that. And I'm not noticing any uh, detrimental effect from that. I'm still eating meat. I'm just not going whole hog. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm going to balance it out, but really what I'm trying to be mindful of is not eating all the crap he mentioned. Yep. That does seem like a top priority. And the whole meat veg thing is a question I mull over in my head on the daily for sure. Um, one thing he, he, 
he did is he sort of like resuscitated my waning belief in supplements because that's like it's such a funny category but he's like really i like that he's drilled down and studied like these you know these five mentors or these seven mentors who devoted their life the doctor who devoted his life to probiotics the doctor who devoted his life to enzymes like just went so deep and like really got shall we say scientific or surgical about you know the the action that each of these um the role they play in our bodies and i really appreciated that because it may it really does make sense and as we discussed aligned with a non-toxic diet it then you get this cumulative effect instead of like just like i said there's no magic bullet you don't just take some probiotics but continue eating garbage and think you're gonna make an improvement that's just not how it works duh yeah of course yeah i'm with you i've been i've become pretty anti-supplement i don't take a lot of cell salts, right? And chill cell it. Salts and and chill it. Yeah, that's yeah. about what I'm limited to. And then I've got the Cultivate Elevate like six mushroom blend powder yep. Same. that I'll introduce yeah. because, okay, it's just, it's an easier way of getting that stuff. I could just eat those mushrooms. I could just find those mushrooms and eat them. This is just a little mm-hmm. bit easier. But mm-hmm. uh, what occurs to, and so I'm like you, I've been like, I don't, I'm not, and this happened when I was coming out of Vermont, my last appointment with my chiropractor, who I loved, who did the muscle testing. And she's like, well, the skin rash, um, according to muscle testing, is because of uh, 5G exposure. So here are 20 supplements I'm going to give you. And it, co- it cost so much money. And I had never cracked into them. I was like, I can't. This is not. Same thing happened with the naturopath. It was like, you know what? We did a lab test, a blood test, and a stool test. And you've got. SIBO and you've got a parasite. So here are 20 supplements that you got to take. And I was just overwhelmed by supplements. And I went, this is not the way, this isn't how we're supposed to live. Humans Mm. aren't supposed to have a cupboard full of supplements and that's what we live off or think that good like health, our health is dependent on taking 10 pills a day, some of them three times a day. I just like mentally the light switch went off and I was like, I refuse to live this way. I refuse to be on the hook for, you know, 30 day supply of these supplements that I have to take for the rest of my life or the next, um, I, that's where I went in my mind. And so the water cleanse, right? The water fast, that was, that was what I went to. Now I'm not going to take supplements. I'm just going to do a water fast. But what occurs to me is, yeah, if you were living like uh, the Amish, Correct. And you had no exposure to any of these the crap toxins and your diet was squared away and you also didn't have exposure to crap, you know, electrical devices and all the rest. Of course, you don't need supplements. Like your exactly. body has already achieved homeostasis. All the functions are working. You don't, you're That's not going to develop cancer. You're not going to develop autoimmune disease, whatever that is. You're not going to develop autism as we know like that those things don't hit the Amish. But living as a modern human in modern society exposed as we are to the toxins and also having been raised eating crap that has accumulated in my body, like maybe your body needs a little bit of a boost. It needs a little little, bit of a leg up. Yeah. A little bit of a leg up. And so I like the idea of 60 day because there's a start and an end. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to do it, but I just don't like the idea of being on a supplement for the rest of your life or using that as a crutch where really what you need is like bare feet on the ground, sun on your skin, good sleep, good water, good movement and then just a smart diet that doesn't include all the all the crap that's it that's it back to basics back to basics yeah back to basics with like a little like i said like a, this is gonna you know if, if if you truly have eliminated what i don't know 
the majority of your gut flora, yeah, probably a good idea to give that a little bit of a help along. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I know I, as I, you know, even as I say this and you're nodding your head in agreement, um, thank you for that. I also suspect that you're holding out on us as Dr. T has mentioned, like you, Benjamin Button over here, you've got, I know that you are hoarding, you are stashing some secret supplement, Michael, as uh, helping you achieve this youthful visage. Actually, what you've been looking at, because we do this podcast remotely, how do you know that I'm just not a straight up deep fake you AI creation? Are. Yeah, you yeah. are the, the AI AI co-host. I did. That's what I did. Oh, I took up that? Zencaster or Buzzsprout on the how, AI co-host. Yeah. Remember how quiet I got when you started talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he knows he's on to me yeah he knows yeah i've been using the ai co-host i love it um so i i would is the the six that 60 day program of dr t's is that something that you would consider yeah it is yeah he really won me over yeah. when i watched that little preparation video yesterday uh, i was like cool but i i wasn't like sold on the whole thing again i think it was that that, that sort of like uh knee-jerk reaction to like oh this guy's got a supplement game together but uh he really backs it up like with the philosophy that's based in bioterrain i also really i want to um i was grateful that he connected that term bioterrain to beauchamp i didn't realize that was sort of where it's synthesized from that word specifically bioterrain because the only other person i hear use we use terrain theory all the time or terrain model but the only other person who sort of religiously uses bioterrain is uh bear lando mm. of alpha vedic alpha cast mm-hmm. um he's a bioterrain practitioner yep. and and he always says that and i was like why is he so specific about that and i guess it's because it goes to beauchamp yeah it goes to the root the root of the the movement if you will correct yeah Be- uh, beauchamp or pasteur is a book I believe we have it in the resource section of terraintheory.net of the website. Um, the lost chapter in the history of biology by Ethel Hume. You can go grab that there, and and uh, and I think that's a good starting place to understand this this um, the bioterrain, but also the schism that happened in in biology. Um, uh, where was I going to? I, ju- he, I also like that. Oh, sorry, not to derail your thought, but that he just not to put too fine a point on it, but that terrain is science based medicine and germ is economically motivated. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's how you, that is one way to boil it down. You know, I don't know if I would drop that trying to convert somebody, but, um, that's really what it comes down to. Follow the money. Again, well, follow the money. That would be an arrow in the quiver, Michael, the conversion yeah. quiver. Um, <laughs> so he mentioned uh, he mentioned uh, Gaston Nasons and his study of somatids, which is basically just kind of the uh, evolution of the study of the microzyma. And I think as we mentioned on a previous podcast, so I had a conversation. So Gaston Nasons has passed away, but um, – his his widow, who's carried on his work, is one of the folks that we're going to bring on the podcast. Uh, oh yeah, so that's we're right. Do Amazing. A real deep dive into Nason's uh, exploration of what he calls somatids and uh, somatidian orthobiology, which will slide, I think, probably dovetail nicely with a lot of what we touched on today. But go a little bit deeper into this understanding of microzyma, somatids, um, pleomorphism, and what's really at the heart of uh, like back the origin of bacteria, the presence of mm-hmm. bacteria, what they're really doing, their function, et cetera, et cetera. So excited to kind of stay stay in our lane, Michael. Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's a good lane. I like this lane. It is a good lane. Um, I was going to say, uh, oh, I like that he sort of pushed back against this when I brought up turpentine. Not that I know 
much about turpentine at all. Or um, it's another word that they use. I think when you say turpentine, people just like picture like paint thinner or whatever. Sure. But there is a there obviously is a food grade, very specific food grade medicinal protocol for detoxing with turpentine. I've heard Andy Kaufman talk about it with with Tom Cowan. Um, it's I mean, if <laughs> listen to those guys talk about it. Don't listen to me. Um, but it, I, I do believe it. it is um, it, it is a it's a it's a method that is valid. And you, but you have to be careful because that stuff is um, powerful, potent. Yeah. yeah, I would say anyone interested in learning a little bit more again. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cowan, I think, released a uh, a form a turpentine medicinal yep. turpentine on his website maybe it was uh, dr cowan's garden right i think is his his little side uh, there's the uh, i think it's actually at just dr tom cowan dot com okay. yeah. is is where more of his like um products are and the dr cowan's powders are his the stuff he grows right yeah so ch- i mean maybe check that out and see some of the, the videos to learn a little bit more maybe we can get one of those guys on to talk about it specifically yeah. um yeah all right well you've got to go it's friday we got things to do, right? Yeah, busy, Shit. busy August. Okay, busy August. We're 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 stacking them up, folks. But that was a good week. That was, that was good. Sorry to interrupt you, but wow, we're setting them up and knocking them down, and uh, feels good. Hitting feel our good. stride it does feel good. Folks, remember that nothing you heard here should be taken as medical advice, as neither Mike nor I are medical experts. Remember that you are light, you are love. You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, and you are your primary healthcare provider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.